Support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lau Brew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Lau Brew Verdant IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandbrewing.com. All right. So um, when I uh, made my little presentation, one, it's way too long, so I have to whiz through some of the bits. Two, I thought it was just going to be a presentation bit for me, so it sucks. <laughs> uh, let's, let's rock. I'm the CPI of MASH Gang. Uh, we make non-alcoholic beers for people that are not interested in non-alcoholic beers. Um, I was... In 2020, I had a regular job. Um, I built a tattoo studio in, in Worthing and I was there for 10 years. Um, and in March, this thing happened. I, just, I can't barely remember what it was. It was one, uh, yeah, just a global pandemic that shut everything to, down. Um, and I went home from work and uh, I thought, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life next. So I learned to brew on YouTube because I was watching a... Uh, Brad Leone, It's Alive, and I thought, you know, brewing was fun. And also it's something that took up a lot of time, something I had a lot of. Um, I modified little homebrew kits and stuff to try and make NA drinks, just for my own volition. Um, pretty soon it came to a point where we were making stuff that was quite good. We created the brand pretty much from day one. We had a group of friends on a little Telegram chat, which is kind of like WhatsApp, and we just went all in. By November 2020, we had nine beers on the market and draft beers, no capital, just driven by collaboration, community, 100% contract brewing. We were very lucky to move into... Um, uh, Northern Monk's old flax store and they gave us a little bit of capacity so we could scale up a bit more. Then we started doing beer festivals and found out that we were kind of breaking through bit by bit and that people were giving us the time of day which we didn't think they would. Um, we became a multi-site producer in the UK. In year one we did 20k turnover, year two we did 240k and this year we will breeze through our first million in a year by about November. We're now a global producer. Uh, we produce in the UK, Australia, the EU and the USA. How we design a beer is all to do with a stupid dessert that I had in Brighton. Um, basically it was like a, a deep fried ice cream thing uh, that had sweet and sour sauce on it. So every single beer we try and make sure that it's like 
it's it's got all of those little facets that are offset each other. And I think a lot of time, NA beer is really, it's missing something because it doesn't have that complexity. So we sort of like treat every ingredient like it's the only ingredient. And we don't really have a big strategy. We just kind of make stuff. Our core range beers took a really long time to refine and they were quite problematic. So if you've had Stoop or Chug, both of those, Chug, uh, Stoop took about 600 batches to actually get to a point where we were happy with it. The customer was always right in matters of taste. Some people don't like what we do, some people do. And be careful not to make the real King Cheeseburger. And I don't know if anyone's seen a picture of it, but customers will ask for a, a bigger, stronger, more hoppy beer. And then when you make one, they're like, oh, it's a bit green, it's a bit bitter, because that's what fucking tons of hops do. Um, we build the beer, then we cost it out, uh, exception to one beer we made called Cheap Lager, which was kind of a competition. Um, the customer has never asked for a more expensive price tag, but they will always tell you that it's too fucking expensive. You can't win on quality unless you're uh, on quantity unless you're a macro, but you can always win on quality and experience, and that's the bit that we wanted to drill down to. So we kind of make the beer as good as we can, and then just add a margin on it. In terms of designing the range we wanted to make sure that we satisfied two parts of the audience. One, that, that trade accounts will always want something that they understand what it is. So they have a kind of a core range beer that people would like. I'm not gonna break the mold here, I went with a lager and a pale ale simply because that's what people like and they buy. Um, and then we have limited editions that have a thinner margin but loads of attraction. So we make some really weird shit like we made uh, of a series of American breakfast cereal beers. We tried to make imperial stouts with with um, with maple syrup and, and then we had a, one that was basically 50% cherry puree and everyone likes that. But that's where our marketing budget goes. So we don't spend any money on anything else. We just make a load of really weird stuff and hopefully people like it. And collaborations must be win-win. So. I won't do a collaboration just because someone asks. I want to learn something or teach something. So part of what we do is we have a very, very small team. We have four full-time members of staff managing the entire global system. So we have to have really, really good systems, but we win wherever we can, and we parade overall 80-20 out the people that are just a waste of time. Anyone that wants something really, really cheap, anyone wants unreasonable amounts of stuff, we just don't do it. Um, you knock on your doors until your hands are bloody. Time is your friend and not your enemy. Like we, we made sure that we just don't rush to a finish line that we're putting there. And we say that a CRM is important to manage wasted time. We built loads of digital systems that handle all of the boring backend stuff so we can focus on making fun stuff. Most of sales is consistently showing up. And when I say you'll find success in the strangest places, we literally found a platform called Fair and we sold £8,000 worth of beers a week to the US, right? doesn't sound like a lot, but this is people buying individual packs of beer and paying $100 shipping fees on them. And these guys were buying a lot of it. So we knew that we could actually start producing in the States because we built that little funnel there. The rest of sales is literally just objection handling and people will knock you back time and time and time again and you just have to keep knocking. 
So the Mashgang way, we're not a brewery. We say we're a tech company. Really pisses people off, but it's true. We don't actually have a brewery. And we kind of looked at how things like Wendy's, Monster Energy, you know, how they, how they kind of contracted out around the world and how they um, expand and contract as the market demands. And we wanted to do that. We partner with great breweries and we buy up their excess production. So it's good for everyone. Everything is a work in progress, it's continuous improvement, and we try and walk the fine line between confidence and hubris. People like to be very confident, but in the UK, they don't mind an underdog as long as you don't do too well. <laughs> That's true, right? So we have two other things. Surprise and delight is basically every time someone opens our can, it should be a great experience, it should be really fun, so we focus on quality and make good everyone fucks up it's how you handle that fuck up that will define you and those customers will remember exactly what it was that you did to make good and it's a lot easier to retain a customer than it is to get a new one why am i not building a brewery we started during lockdown no one's gonna lend me like millions and millions of pounds i look stupid and i probably am um, I'm trying to pretend I'm not having a midlife crisis where everyone went out and bought a brewery instead of a Porsche now. And decentralization has been the key to the business. And we have quality, flexibility, and we expand and contract. I know it sounds stupid. I would love a brewery. Who wouldn't? It's really, really cool. Imagine the tanks going down here. Like, it would be glorious, wouldn't it? But I'd quickly grow out and realize that I spent £12 million on the nicest greenhouse on earth. The low and no landscape has vastly changed in the last six months, let alone in the last three years, and it is vast. I know that a lot of you guys work in full ABV and may think what is happening is taking a slice of your pie. It's not. It's expanding the pie. Capitalism <laughs> destroyed lunchtime pints and no low might save them. I have an, ex I have an example of this. I used to work for a, a Lloyd's TSB. We'd go and have four pints at lunchtime. If I did that now at a banking company, they'd, they'd sit me down with HR and ask what I was doing. You know, you can't do that anymore. Um, and, you know, my, my boss had a bottle of scotch on his desk. You couldn't do that now, you know. The, the only time we get away with lunchtime pints is because we work in beer. Um, and I say the Deliveroo destroyed working men's clubs because people are working 24 hours a day. Whatever they're working on now, they're working. How many of you take your work mobile phone home with you after hours and look at emails? Because you didn't do that 10 years ago. You know, those evening times were yours. They're not anymore. Um, the middle ground competition is really poorly represented. You have startup NA breweries, no low craft and you have macro and there's nothing in the middle at the moment it's just a a, a barren battlefield um a lot of the macros are building alibi brands so they're like drink guinness zero drink bex blue because they can't advertise anymore directly to people um macros aim to have 20 percent of their capacity na by 2025 it's currently six percent and they're off pace apparently that um that metric is not backed up by anything. Uh, <laughs> but, but a lot of people have repeated it, so I'm going to, and no one's going to fact check me. Um, the future lands landscape, certainly in the US, is adaptogenics and THC. 
we went to New York and Chicago and it's absolutely wild to go and get a can that will get you absolutely obliterated that doesn't have alcohol in it. And I, I mean obliterated, like they're really strong. If you go, if any of you have ever had edibles, it was far worse than that. Um, for research purposes, I, I took part in it. Um, the traditional, <laughs> please be nice, it's my first time. Um, the traditional model is you make a product and then you just go out and try and find a market. You know, better still, you create one through demand. What we did is we were just like, we are the market. Everything we like, we just make. We're not special. We're regular, boring, 40-year-old blokes. Like, you know, what, what else is there? But we still ask, like, why does our product exist and who's it for? It's for people like us. How does the product make you feel? Is it exciting? Is it fun? God bless you. Um, when people see your product, how do they react? And is there a competition for your product? Are you first or do you aim to be the best? So we try and rationalize almost everything to a crazy level. I know this bounces back and forwards, but it's tough. Um, when you're starting something, I think that businesses need to have a yin and yang. It's something that we really learn. Basically, my business partner, James, is really, really smart and he's really focused on numbers and stuff like that. I'm not, um, but I have a load of great ideas and between the two of us, we kind of put them together and it works. And we just split up the ownership of all the major business units and get a really, really good accountant. Like just get a re like the best one you can afford. We have lightweight systems. And this particular part is something that I would like every single person in business to know that, that everyone is terrified of the, of the AI storm that's coming, but you can make the robots work for you. And we do. The reason we can manage nearly every facet of our business with so few imbeciles is because Almost everything that comes through the funnel is processed by robots beforehand. And I'm happy after, if anyone collars me and wants to talk about that, I can show you how. Also, flawless logistics is going to be the gold standard for all of your businesses coming up. You have got a generation of people that have had Amazon in their lives their whole lives. You need to be able to, someone to order something at you know, 5, 6, 7 p.m. on Monday and Tuesday, it's waiting for them. And that's a really difficult thing to do. But if you can get towards it, it is the mile marker of a, of a business success. Also make sure that your customer-centric care resolves but prevents errors. I used to work as an auditor for BSI. I know it's unbelievable, but that's what I did. And, and the hardest mindset you have to get people out of is just correcting problems you need to not only correct it but then go ahead and prevent it one of the things that we get really praised for is having a brand but i think that you can't easily design a brand i think it comes from a place of authenticity so it's something that you actually already like it's a reflection of your culture and your upbringing or your desires and the things that you that you really love and it can be won or lost for free. How many breweries do you know that have opened their mouth about something really stupid and it's gone? Quite a few. It cannot be easily replicated. This is something that no amount of money can buy. I'm gonna go through this because it's about raising money. Um, and I'm gonna not go through greenwashing and sustainability because it's a bit like for Deb Debbie Downer today. Um, what I think at the moment is the biggest opportunity is making good locally. Um, and I feel like there's a great 
one of one of the things you guys were talking about earlier is is CO two shortages, and there's two things you can do about that um, as well to help lessen the burden. And one's the opportunity of cask, which has such a massive amount of education needed on it, and the only people that can educate the customers on cask are literally the breweries. Like you'll need to be the people that do that. It's been widely said that if cask was in any other country, we'd be flying over there to go and you know look at this wonderful, natural, locally sourced, sustainable, low intervention beer. But in the UK, it's just thought of as the cheapest thing on the shelf. I mean, I bet a lot of you like cask as well, right? Me and Tim had a cask lager last night, weird as hell, but it's beautiful. We started spunding as well. So we were carbonating our beers literally by just locking it up and letting it naturally carbonate. Um, and then there is a secondary part where you can start looking at the waste opportunity that your business has, which is like the best kind of alchemy. That's like using final runnings to make other beers. Um, the guys at Gypsy Hill have started recovering hops and reusing them, which sounds insane, but it's working. And they've managed to make beers that are basically made from recovered grain and recovered hops. It's pretty cheap intervention. The other thing that we're looking at at the moment is modifying native ingredients for New World vibes and that really means trying to get the best out of, of British hops and trying to utilize them in ways that are really similar and similar to American craft beer standards. Um, and you can do that in a variety of ways but, but basically it's to do with things like hop mashing or just utilizing them in a different way and choosing you know, modern varietals, but it's becoming easier and easier to make good domestic New World style beers at home. Uh, this is another thing you don't need. So the, the pretty much the last thing I really want to talk about is that at the moment there is an extreme amount of doom in the industry. Every single article I read says that it's it's tough out there, it's getting tougher, it's not like it used to be. The truth is that it hasn't been good since about 2017. This is the normal. How your business reacts to this, you know, it's, you hear that it's a, uh, a saturated market. Yeah, you're part of the saturation. I'm part of the saturation. Just like traffic, you know, the person that is in traffic is traffic too. I, I think that we're getting stuck into a self perpetuating cycle that is so depressing to be in that it makes you start to give up a bit and the market is talking itself into a recession that can be dug up through especially if you're making really 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 high quality stuff and I get it because we're tired we're damaged and we've watched everything we love start to disappear there's more pubs closing than there ever has been but you know some of those pubs sucked some of them did, didn't. Some of them were poorly run. Some of them weren't. But it's up to us as the people in this room we're, to galvanize ourselves for the times ahead and build working, functioning businesses and communities that can actually retain what we've all worked so hard to get. That's it.